Welcome to the What's Good Dough podcast and get ready to level up. But before we continue with the show, I want to introduce you to my two show sponsors, Uni Pizza Ovens and Cordo Olive Oil. They are a huge reason why the show has gotten so much better and why my pizza making has gotten exceptionally better. Take Uni for example. Before I had them in my life, I was making pizza out of my home oven. Now I'm not saying you can't make great pizza in your home oven, but you have so many limitations. Just take a look at my Instagram, especially the earlier stuff where my electric broiler just wasn't doing the trick. Today, I only use Uni to crank out the pies that I make and love and would be proud to sell. If you're looking to get an oven, I'd greatly appreciate it if you use the link in my show notes. It's my affiliate link and any commissions earned there will help me raise money for various nonprofits. The other reason my pizza is so much better is because of my second sponsor, Cordo Olive Oil. If you're like me, you've seen GOAT pizza makers drizzle a bit of olive oil to finesse their pies. So when I saw that, I said, hey, let me try it too. But when I did, I hated it. My pizzas always left me feeling nasty with a greasy taste in my mouth. It was kind of bitter too. It wasn't until I got educated and learned about the difference between commodity oil and Cordos fresh squeezed olive oil. Since then, I've switched to using them exclusively and a drizzle of Cordo olive oil post-bake is everything. It adds that extra umph, it gives it a freshness flavor, and really, it makes every bite so much more delicious. If you're still unsure, you can try Cordo yourself. If you're a pizza operator, they'll give you a free tasting. And if you're a home baker like me, no worries. They can offer you a tasting for a nominal fee, but trust me, it's worth it to know the difference. Use the link in the show notes to learn more. Thank you so much for listening to my show sponsors and supporting this podcast. And I think for anyone out there who's listening, who's opening a pizzeria or has a pizzeria, you know, at some point you're either going to do this for the rest of your life or you're going to want to get out. That was Scott Sandler, the former owner of Pizza Head in St. Louis. And it's your boy, I Drift, and you're listening to the What's Good Dough podcast. Whether it's dough, business, or life, my guests and I are always talking about ways we can level up. Today, we talk about two topics that don't get much airtime on the show, selling a pizzeria and vegan cheese. My buddy Scott is one business savvy dude. We talk about his experience and background that made him a prime candidate to run and sell multiple pizzerias. We also talk about cashew cheese and the future of vegan pizza. For the record, Scott and I met at Pizza Expo, and that's where I fell in love with his pizza, and so I'm really excited to share this part of the conversation with you, too. If you want to jump around, there are timestamps in the description. Otherwise, and I may be biased, I think you should sit back and relax and enjoy the entire show. And remember to always ask, what's good, dough? How are you doing today, Scott? I'm doing pretty good. Awesome. Yeah. I'm happy to have you on. Happy to be on. Heck yeah. Yeah, happy to be here. Cool, cool. Um, there is this one way that I love to start the show, and there's no right or wrong answer. What's okay. good, though? All right. From a, uh, a literal standpoint or a uh, figurative or both? <laughs> there's no right or wrong answer. <laughs> Hit me with it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> good dough. 
good dough is, uh, you know, dough with intention. You know, I always say proper mixing, um, you know, proper fermentation, uh, proper proper baking. You know, uh, if you have those three, uh, I think you're going to have good dough. And obviously, good flour. You got to start with good flour. But uh, I think most of the flours out there these days are 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 decent. You know, there's better ones than others, but it's all a matter of preference. We just had a clubhouse discussion this past Wednesday with Peter Reinhardt, and he was kind of talking about just how everything vibes off of each other. Flour, the hydration, baking. It's like you you can't just get the right flour and consider it a win. It really is all a process that relies on one another. It is certainly a process, and a process has to be carried through uh you know, pretty scientifically. I mean, when you have a shop, pizza shop, sometimes you're caught in a bind and you got to do a fast rise to, you know, you got to, sometimes you have to do certain things, you know, in the, in the real world. Um, But typically, uh, you know, sticking to your process, I would say, and being consistent is good dough. You were the owner of Pizza Head. Um, a very well-respected pizza business in St. Louis, uh, a vegan pizza spot. We met at Pizza Expo. I sat through your demonstration, and and that's kind of how this relationship started. And, and I was amazed at you know just your knowledge of vegan cheese, which is something we're going to be talking about. But also, you know, from chatting with you, your business acumen is is on point. And maybe like you can talk about just how you became this person in the pizza world. Uh, I started like most people, uh, you know, making pizza at home for about 10 years, just as a hobby. I had another career. I always dreamed about opening a pizzeria. Um, Finally, in 2014, I got my opportunity to open uh, my first place, which was a wood-fired Neapolitan pizzeria, which was vegetarian, by the way. Uh, not all vegan and pizza head was also vegetarian. So we did have dairy, but we specialized definitely in vegan, vegan pizza, but the market here wouldn't support an all vegan pizza spot. Um, so I got started, uh, uh, actually through, uh, losing my job twice, which I saw as a sign, you know, from above that, Hey, I'm going to, it's time to open my pizzeria and become that entrepreneur that I always wanted to be. And uh, sure enough, I scrapped together some money that I had and um, didn't cost a lot to open here in St. Louis. And I just basically got a space through, uh, bought a wood-fired oven from Maraforni. Um, it, it was an old uh, Mexican restaurant that I took over. So there was some kitchen stuff in there. So I didn't really have to build out or do anything. So I just kind of opened, didn't really change the interior uh, just threw in my oven, um, got a logo, got a name, made a menu and just opened. And uh, it was pretty much a huge uh, smash success. I was chef, owner and manager making all the pizzas. Uh, so after about a year, year and a half in that, I said, oh, I want to open a New York style pizza place. And so I ended up selling the business after three years and then opened Pizza Head in a different area where most of my customers were coming from for Pizzioli. So then COVID hit. So we closed down the inside and we became uh, very uh, more tech savvy and we started doing online ordering and all that. Um, and then as time went on, 
I had plans to open uh, back inside because that was the original vibe and, um, you know, whatever. It just, uh, I got, I got approached by somebody, um, that wanted to buy Pizza Head, you know, after being own, the owner for four and a half years. And I just thought it was time to, you know, it was either uh, sell or, uh, you know, reinvigorate Pizza Head because I had gotten kind of uh, bored, uh, so to speak, or not bored, but it just wasn't as fun uh, as when, um, you know, when we were open inside because that's really what Pizza Head was about. So, um so anyway, I uh, decided to take up his offer or, or, or he offered to buy it and I had a price and, um, you know, we settled and um, we closed in December and now I'm not the owner of Pizza Head anymore. But, um, you know, um, I uh, I enjoyed the eight years that I was in the business and I'm still doing stuff at the expo this year and I still plan to be involved in some way. I'm just not sure yet um, how. You mentioned, you know, smashing success, which is something that everyone wants uh, when they first start a business, when it came down to it, why did you choose to start with a wood fire joint first and then transition to New York? When I was making pizza at home in like the two thousands, uh, it just, it just seemed so, uh, interesting to me, you know, to, to the wood fired, uh, pizza. And so that's what I, my passion was in the beginning. I just realized that economically, uh, St. Louis just, you know, it's a second tier city. Uh, it's a great place for entrepreneurs because it's, it's, there's not a lot of competition and it's uh, low barriers to entry. But the style of pizza, because St. Louis has its own style of pizza called St. Louis style pizza. I don't know if you've probably heard of it. Uh, so St. Louis just didn't really take to the Neapolitan craze that, that was happening. I ended up getting a space, which is a whole nother great story, right on the main drag in this area called Tower Grove South on South Grand Boulevard, where it's the best, one of the best dining locations in St. Louis. A lot of different ethnic uh, or different cuisines from all different parts of the world. Uh, there's a lot of, there's a couple vegan spots. I mean, it's just a great place to land. And sure enough, you know, uh, I, my sales were two and a half to three times more at Pizza Head they, than they were at uh, my first place, Pizzioli. And it was order at the counter model, not a not a sit down. People love slices. I don't care where you go in the U.S. People love a New York slice. You know, it's just I don't know what it is about it, but people just love a New York slice. So so as much as I would say the pizza was better at my first place, better in the sense of higher, you know, just more gourmet, you know, Italian flour, wood fired, you know, crushed tomatoes, all that. Uh, and then my second place, Pizza Head, was more traditional corner New York slice type of place. Mm. You changed it up, the location, so that you could be in an area where like people associate like a foodie central. And it sounds to me like you just made a simple business decision. Um, I guess when it comes down to it, how do you remove the emotion out of that? Because when I think of, you know, if I ever opened up my own pizzeria, that first one, I'm going to like think of it as my baby. I'm not going to want to let go how did you remove the emotion out of that choice to get the second restaurant and then inevitably switch over to it? And maybe you can even include, was the plan after getting the second restaurant to move on or were you trying to just juggle it and see if you could make both happen? 
No, I never, I never wanted to own two at the same time. It just ha so happened with the timing. But emotionally, you know, I'm one thing about me is I'm always business. I'm never personal, and um, that has helped me in a lot of ways, but it's hurt me in ways too. Mm. Because so. let's put it this way: um, I'm not embarrassed or ashamed that I I opened the place. You know, I want to make money. I want to, I want to make a living. Okay. I'm not ashamed of it. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think a lot of people go into this. Oh, it's not about the money. I just want to make great pizza and serve people. And meanwhile, they're out of business after a year. Yeah. So the thing is that I, I just take everything in balance, meaning that, yes, I'm not in it solely for the money. Of course, uh, I'm in it because I want to serve customers. I want to make great pizza. I want to make people happy and I want to make money right. at the same time. So I think there's a balance. I was able to make good money based on my uh, intelligence and being able to run an efficient operation, not making money on the backs of exploiting people or I pay my people really well. Uh, I just streamline my operation so I could pay people really well. And, uh, you know, we didn't have we didn't have a salad at you know at Pizza Head. We were just solely pizza. Uh, my my operation pretty much ran like a Swiss watch. And so. You know, I was able to have a high profit margin, but at the same time, treat my employees well and pay them extremely well. I had a very low uh, turnover rate with employees, but on some level, sometimes the business, you know, being so business and not personal, uh, maybe people assumed I was like some kind of cold calculator who, you know, was only interested in, you know, making a profit, which is crazy because it's not true at all. But as anyone who's listening to this knows who owns a pizzeria or owns a restaurant or owns their own business, they know that, uh, you know, it's a 24 seven thing. You're going to get hit from a lot of different angles. You're going to get a lot of praise for sure, but you're going to a lot of, you're going to get criticism too. Let's talk about, you know, selling a pizzeria because you've done that twice, which is impressive. And you have some experience to share with the listeners. You know, I had been uh, in, uh, I have my degree in business. I have an MBA as well. And, you know, my my former career, which was private equity, real estate, I, you know, we would buy properties for funds that would have, you know, they would be closed end funds. So they would have a timeline. So, you, you know, you when you're buying an investment or you're buying real estate, um, you got to have an exit strategy. Uh, so not that I went in with the idea of selling these businesses. Cause when I opened my first place, I didn't even necessarily, you know, I wasn't planning on selling cause I just opened. So, but I did always have the idea that I was going to create a brand and I was going to create something of value that I could sell at some point. Right. And I think for anyone out there who's listening, who's opening a pizzeria or has a pizzeria, you know, at some point, you're either going to do this for the rest of your life or you're going to want to get out. Mm. And if you want to get out, if you build something with value that somebody else wants, it's kind of like real estate. You know, if you if you have a house, you know, if you do it in all pink or not that there's anything wrong with pink, but I'm saying like <laughs> if you if you if you do it to your own personal tastes, someone else might not want it. Yeah. You have to create something that somebody else could possibly want. Because there's the value. And then you can, instead of just getting out of the business and 
you know, may, maybe getting 10 cents on the dollar on your equipment, you can actually sell something that has value. So at some point, if you do want to pass your pizzeria on to somebody else, then you, you got to do everything by the book. How does one create value or show value? You have to be transparent with your, with your numbers. That's the main thing. Because if you're, if you're, if your sales are six to 700,000, but somehow you're doing the accounting to make it look like your sales are less and you're putting all these expenses in and you're showing a little profit because you don't want to make, you don't want to pay as much taxes and you're doing all these different things. So four, five, six, seven, eight, ten 10 years down the line, you want to sell your business. Okay. The buyer's going to be like, they're going to come and look at it and they're going to be like, well, wait a second. You know, you're trying to sell this business for X and you've only had this much profit. So I would recommend one, you keep everything uh, on the books. Two, uh, you you create a brand that people want. Uh, three, you have a, a good operation in place to pass on to somebody. And four, you use professionals, whether it's a lawyer. I use St. Louis Group, uh, which is a business broker in town for both sales. I use the same broker. Um, I actually found the buyer myself for uh, Pizza Head, but he found my buyer for my first place. But I still, even though the buyer uh, reached out to me, I put him in touch with my broker. I wasn't going to be cheap and be like, oh, I want to save, you know, I want to save the commission. So I'm going to do it direct with him. You know, it's a, it's a hefty commission. It's not, it's not, it's not just chump change. It's, but it's totally worth it, in my opinion. So it's always been my business philosophy to, you know, you got to spend on the right things and you got to not spend on the things on certain things. And I think a lot of mistakes people make is they spend on the wrong, they spend on the wrong things and then they're cheap on the important things. Mm. So, uh, you know, to be business savvy, so to speak. And, and again, if you're a pizza maker and you want to open your own business, you're a business person, whether you like it or not understand you're a business and act like a business, but at the same time, you should, you should, um, not be so like cheap, uh, that you're, uh, skimping on, on certain things. So, uh, the way, the way you do well is to streamline operation. And that's one of the things I talked about, uh, my talks at the pizza expo, you know, uh, as far as, streamlining and let's just say you have a sauce that you're using that takes a lot of labor and not that many people order it but you want to keep it on the menu for emotional reasons again don't let emotion get into your into your business uh, <laughs> say you goodbye know? to your so, grandma's sauce it's not happening well, <laughs> well just uh, again why people why people aren't profitable let's say you have the, sa- the healthy sales because some people just don't have the healthy sales whether they're you know they don't have the right product for the market they're not pricing right whatever well let's just assume you have the healthy sales but you're still you know your profit margin's 10 percent, and it should be at least 20 why is why is that usually it's because you're not scheduling your staff properly or you're spending too much labor on you're spending too much on labor on things that aren't really bringing you enough revenue to justify that all that labor for that specific thing you you know we we kind of talked about the relationship of flour and fermentation and baking earlier and there is a specific relationship to restaurant math 
that you break down so great. I'm just going to refer everyone to that Pizza Expo talk. Uh, It's on YouTube, an hour of goodness. Seriously, look at it. And it's like, if you're not profitable, you can find ways to adjust. I think you break it down in four sections. Like you can adjust your, your labor. You can adjust how much profit you get at the end of the day. You can adjust, you know, a bunch of things, cost of goods, whatever. But it's all, you know, it all comes down to one pie and some pieces of the pie can get bigger or smaller depending on how you do it. That formula is a great formula that the one you're talking about where I talked about it at the expo and I did get that from a book. Um, but I've been able to use it and help people with it, which I think is amazing. One of the most amazing things I ever learned uh, when I was getting into this business uh, was that book called Restaurant Man. Um, I don't know if you heard of it or heard of Joe Bastianich, uh, but he has like, he had like 40 restaurants. I don't know what he's doing these days, um, but uh, he came up, he had that formula, the 30, 30, 20, 20 formula. And, uh, you know, where you are in the Bay Area, you're going to end up paying more, you know, in rent and things like that than you are in St. Louis. So like you said, different ratios might be a little different depending on which market you're in. But I think as an independent pizzeria, you want to be in that 20% profit range Mm -hmm. to be healthy. And if a restaurant's not making 20% or at least over 15, then there's something wrong. Okay. I want to actually try to challenge what you're saying here. And, you know, I think everything is relative, depends on kind of your end goal at the end of the day, because, you know, I've seen in this day and age, some technology companies uh, run at a loss, but then they build their brand and then they eventually get to profitability and they build their sales up. And I think even though you kind of said earlier, like, if you're not making 20% profit, you know, something's, you got to work on that. But I also think that like, even if you're making a little bit of profit and you are making that move in an upward trajectory, but you're also building brand, there could be cumulative effects. It might be risky because you can get the carpet pulled right from under you, but it's also one way of doing things. Do you feel like that is a reasonable way of looking at a restaurant? I I agree and uh, with some of that, but like a tech business or something, something that requires, you know, well, pizzeria requires capital investment. Uh, so the way I approached it was, you know, I didn't have a lot of money to start. So, you no know, investors? let's just say no investors. Bootstrapped um, it yourself. My my dad was always like, no partners. You know, mm. I can't I can't even tell you how many people I know in this town who started as partners and buddies and hate each other now. Like it's it's a or just don't. I mean, anyone out there who's had partners, they probably you know. Again, I'm not against partners. Uh, it just it has to be done the right way, and that's a whole nother topic. Otherwise, it could end in disaster. And I've seen time after time after time partners here here in St. Louis that have opened and uh, end up not talking to each other anymore. So let's just say there's different approaches you can take to opening. Let's say let's talk about pizzerias because that's what we're we're talking about here. So I moved into a place that was a restaurant already, which I highly recommend uh, for anyone just starting out. In other words, don't build out from 
from a from a white box where you have to put in all the infrastructure because what's going to happen is a lot of times someone else is going to benefit from all your work and money that you put in. So starting with a restaurant that was already has the infrastructure in the pipes and the electricity and all that stuff. So uh, there's two ways to go about it. You can you can DIY and like I hated the interior of the place, the my first place, but. I knew that spending on money, spending money on that in the beginning was not smart. Mm-hmm. So after a year and a half, I I did a remodel. Okay, most people try to do all this stuff in the beginning because they're like, "Well, I don't like the way the walls look. I don't like, you know, I don't like the way this. I don't like the tables and chairs here. I don't like this. I don't like that." So constantly spending on money on things that uh, don't matter in the beginning. So. Some people want to open a restaurant so they'll get investors and they'll, you know, they'll spend 500 grand on a, on a, on a build out. And then, then they're behind the eight ball when they open. Uh, so for me, uh, one, I didn't have a lot of money and I didn't want to get partners. So I just bootstrapped it and just opened with a great, with a great pie and great service and people came. And they loved it. And then eventually I changed the inside after I had a little money and I'd been open for a year and a half. Then I loved the inside after that. But I was patient. I didn't, even though I hated the interior, uh, I realized that it wasn't smart to spend, you know, a fifty to a hundred thousand dollars on an on an interior remodel right when I first opened. So basically, uh you know, there's lots of ways you can open a place. Uh, again, I had uh, my limitations were that I opened by myself and I didn't have partners, so I had to do everything myself. So, in some ways, that was a limiting that that limited me. And same thing with pizza. Same thing with Pizza Head. I was doing it all by myself. Um, my wife has a different career; she wasn't involved at all. I didn't have any partners. So uh, it helped me in the sense that I didn't have to fight with anyone on decisions. But on the other hand, I didn't have any help. So it's trade. there's trade-offs. There's multiple ways to do this. It really just depends on, you know, your vision for the business, right? It, and I just wanted to bring a point that like your way is the right way for you, but not necessarily the right way for someone listening. I do appreciate your way because you kept it lean. You were profitable from the beginning. There's a lot less risk, but kind of just to use what you said against you, um, you got tired, right? And so it's, or like there was a lot going on. You were spread out um, managing and whatnot. And so it's like, it really just depends. Like, do you want to be a solo operator? Uh, Do you want to have a partner who helps you out, but then risk, you know, losing your shirt financially or risk ending with a bad relationship? Any way someone can open, uh, whether it's big or small, uh, the key thing is you enjoy it and you're able to make a living. Uh, So, you know, I never had the stress of worrying financially about whether the, you know, I was going to make, make my, you know, make my expenses every month. Uh, I made sure that I was always in the black and, and I was extremely comfortable. And as time went on, 
you know, I fortified that uh, situation. So, but, you know, I know I was never, I was either, uh, I had many opportunities to open multiple places or take on investors and do all this stuff, which again, there's nothing wrong with it, but I guess I'm more of a control freak type person where, you know, uh, like you said, that was also uh, helped me, but it also, you know, maybe at the same time, I wouldn't say hurt me because I don't, I guess hurt me in the sense of, you know, I wasn't ready or willing to kind of take the next step, which could be of, you know, that's why I end up selling Pizza Head instead of like opening Pizza Heads, you know, in 10 different cities, let's say. Mm. No, for sure. Like it, it all depends on just what you want, right? Um, I just think that if you can build a strong brand and maybe I'm like, I look at it as the way of the podcast, like the studio that I have, I'm super proud of it right now. I feel like I can expand to YouTube now and, and putting my videos on there and happily. Um, but it took a while. And now thinking back at it, I, I just wonder like, what if, how, how would have, how would the show have grown if I had gotten this done sooner? If I had just put more money in, in getting all of this like done sooner. Right. It, it's like you, it just depends on you. And like, I feel like there are just so many choices. I feel like that's why business is fun because it's a puzzle. So figure out what you want uh, and then just find a way to make it happen. But I definitely appreciate like the frugal, the, the frugality of it all too. Um, I value finances a lot. And so I never want to be in debt, but I oh, like, I kind of challenge myself to consider debt and leverage and uh, in for the sake of building a brand and, you know, growing, uh, to a certain extent. Well, it's, it's, it's really your risk tolerance. There it is. Basically. And I think that obviously if you want to do something in, in life and you're going to have to take risks, you're going to have to make investments, you know, you, you're going to have to, you know, you're never going to get anywhere if you don't take risks. Love so that. it's a matter of, of how much risk do you want to take? And are you real? You know, is someone realistic, uh, uh or like the one thing, is whether you, uh, no matter which way you do it, you always have to think things through, okay? And a lot of people rush into different things and they don't think everything through. I see it all the time uh, because if you don't think, you know, you're going to get blindsided here and there once in a while. You can't plan for everything. But I think the reason I was so successful is because in high school, I played football all, all these years and our coaches were amazing. And uh, we had this sign in the locker room and it said, the will to prepare to win is much more important than the will to win. I love that. And the thing is that everyone has the will to win, but not many people have the will to prepare to win. And, and that is really the difference in my opinion Let's just say you can still be successful with not having the will to prepare to win and the will to win, but most of the time you're going to have more you're going to have more bumps in the road, mm -hmm. uh, and you're going to have more issues that come up and more problems. Not that you can't overcome those, you can, but having the will to prepare to win makes you sort of have a lot of foresight into okay, if I move like a chess game, if I do this, 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 and this could happen, or this, this, and this can happen. I guess if you're not happy with your operation or you're not happy in your life right now, uh, then, uh, you know, make, take the steps 
you know, and what are those steps? You know, the, again, it may be corny, but the thousand mile journey starts with one step. So following the steps, you know, don't be patient, be patient. I think patience is the most, the most important quality you can have. Underrated Um, too. Yeah. And that's another thing. I've always been patient. I've never, uh, I've, I've realized over life I'm 54 now. And I've realized that patience is, you know, uh, it said in, uh, the patience is the only strength you need. Mm. 54 patience in the world that we live in. It is possible that you just lived half your life. So take that into consideration. You have a whole nother half to live. I'm 30. I am still impatient, but I am so less impatient than I was when I was 25 or 20. Like I'm chilling right now, knowing that the next 10 years ahead of me is like, I have a whole decade to kind of, you know, get a business going. And even if at 40, I don't get that business going and it doesn't pan out, then I have another decade and many more to go to kind of get quote unquote successful and catch my win. I was 47 when I opened Pizzioli. Woo! <laughs> what is your plan for yourself now that you don't have Pizza Head? I'm kind of formulating that plan right now. <laughs> luckily, <laughs> luckily, I've done, you know, I did pretty well the last eight years and I have some breathing room yeah. uh, right uh, now. Congratulations. And, uh, I did sell the business and... Uh, I, I would like to be involved with vegan food and pizza in some way. I mean, I've thought about changing directions completely and going on to another type of business, maybe a retail business or a clothing line, or, you know, I have a lot of interests. Uh, I'm an artist. I would say ultimately I'm, I'm an artist and, uh, so, but it's hard to make money from, from art, uh, you know, I want to, I want to find something, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to find, uh, some art that's commercially viable and pizza mm. w- was totally commercial. So pizza head was really an art project for me and a business project. So uh, my plan right now is to, uh, I'm actually working with my wife cause she's all into this uh, vision board thing. And so I've been trying to work on a vision board, uh, so to speak as to like, what I want for, uh, my future. Yeah. And I I have, I'm looking at mine right now. So, (laughs) so all I I would say too, is that, uh, you know, it's never too late, no matter how old you are, you know, to follow those dreams. You know, I had to wait a long time to open my pizzeria. I mean, some people like my friend Scotty, you know, he opened his business in Portland when he was in his twenties you know, and I had to wait until I was in my late forties. Uh, so, uh, as far as my plan, you know, I don't know if I want to work 14 hour days again. Uh, but I could see myself owning a cafe, uh, that, uh, does vegan food is open from maybe seven to three. I don't want to do a night business anymore. Uh, I absolutely do not want to do something that's open late at night or at night. So that might rule out pizzerias for me, but I could still do, uh, like I said, some kind of cafe where some kind of form of pizza could be a part of it, but not like the main, the main thing. Or I could do some pizza consulting if, 
you know, I think I have a lot of knowledge. I could help a lot of people out there. And like we talked about offline, if people see the value, I know people see the value in, you know, and, and, you know, taking on consultants that show you how to make the greatest pizza in the world. But how many consultants out there really show you the business, the nuts and bolts of owning a business and making sure you, you, you know, you, you're rewarded for your hard work. And that hard work allows you to feed your family and pay your mortgage and keeps you in business. I love that. You know, vegan is a huge trend right now. And, you know, there's never enough um, education for business. And so I think you can go both uh, either way. Um, and maybe you can start by consulting me on how to make some bomb vegan cheese. Sure. I started the vegan cheese in 2014, the cashew cheese. And, you know, I have to give uh, Paul E.G. credit because I think I saw he was doing it way back, you know, maybe in 2010, 2011, because he was, you know, opened the place in New York and, you know, the, 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 the coastal places are just, you know, they're more on the front end of the trends. So I thought, oh, I'm going to make the cashew cheese. I didn't make it like him, but I made it my own way. So uh, the cashew cheese that I made originally is still the one I make now, which is basically just cashew, raw cashews. You can soak them or not soak them. Uh, and then uh, olive oil, garlic, salt and pepper, lemon juice, and uh, water. Um, and that's pretty much the recipe. And I tell at the Pizza Expo, I always say I don't give an exact recipe because I don't even use an exact recipe. And I think you can, depending on what type of texture you want, we did a little more chunky texture and then we'd mix it with the sauce at Pizza Head. And it was, uh, that was the same pizza you ate, basically. Basically, the pizza you ate was the exact pizza we do at Pizza Head at Expo. So that, uh, my first place we would dollop it on like mozzarella because the pizza's cooked in a, you know in 90 seconds so we would make it uh, and then it would like roast so the cashew cheese roasts it doesn't melt uh and so again it was cashews raw cashews now if you soak them they're going to blend a little easier and you're going to get a little smoother uh texture um cashews salt and pepper garlic olive oil uh lemon juice and water and that way you can Sort of, you can add nutritional yeast if you want, and uh, I, I didn't add it just because I didn't think we needed it, and it's also very expensive, and it just wasn't necessary. But you know, at home, you might want to add it for a little bit more—I uh, don't know—flavor, so to speak. Uh, I know some people do different cashew cheeses different ways. I think um, uh, at uh, Purgatory Pizza, I think he freezes it and then shreds it or something like that. I heard on one of the podcasts he does. So th there's a million, you know, there's obviously different ways to make it. I just kept it simple and I'm going to be doing actually this year at the Pizza Expo, they got me doing two demos. I'll be doing the cashew cheese demo by itself and we'll be making some pizzas with some cashew cheese. And then we have a, I have a vegan pizza demo, which I'm probably going to use some different types of products for that. Probably maybe a little bit of the cashew cheese, but more like the vegan shred cheese also in that demo. So I'll be using uh, different types of vegan vegan cheeses and maybe not even doing a pizza with the cheese on it um, as well. Maybe a pan pie that, uh, you know, with just mushrooms and a, you know, a, a nice vegan pie is a uh, mushrooms and vegan cream and rosemary and, and, you know, uh, just spreading that over a, a pan 
dough rise and then baking it as a pan pie. That's also amazing. And there's no cheese in that at all. So, uh, so yeah, the cashew cheese, uh, I've gotten a lot of great feedback over the years of doing it at the expo. I've had people come back to me and say, Oh my God, we're doing the pizza. We're doing that cashew cheese. Uh, remember a place in Alaska, the guys told me that they're just killing it, uh, with their vegan cheese. I know a whole bunch of places are using it now from, you know, that they got the idea from the demo. Can you explain how you incorporated your V your cashew cheese? So if you dolloped it on with a long bake, it just sort of crusts at, you know, it, I'd say like two to three minutes. If you're baking a pizza in like two minutes, three minutes, then you can dollop it on and it'll look more like a regular pizza. But we were doing a pizza head because it was a five to seven minute bake. We would, you know, mix it in with the sauce. So put the sauce down, then a glob of, of cashew cheese, and then, you know, spread it throughout the pizza. So it becomes like a little bit orangey almost, and it looks a little strange, uh, but the taste is phenomenal. And you know, cause you tasted it at the expo. So you know what it's like. Uh, actually an employee of mine, a one of the first employees I had at Pizza Head, I'm pretty sure he came up with that idea of mixing it. Uh, you know, and I'm not exactly sure how we ended up, but I think it was because he did it one time. And uh, it just worked out because uh, we were getting maybe some complaints on it. Uh, I can't remember exactly what complaints there were. But uh, uh, so, I mean, you could still dollop it on even if you do a New York style pizza. And if it's more of a creamy, watery texture, it might be fine. Uh, just that that's the way we were doing it. We were mixing it with the sauce. We got a lot of criticism sometimes with when people would show pictures on Instagram They'd be like, man, this pizza was bomb. And then someone would comment and be like, that looks disgusting. What is that? <laughs> you know? <laughs> but the people don't, the people didn't know because it didn't look like a regular pizza. You know, it looks like this red thing. You know, it, it doesn't look like a tomato pie. It looks like this kind of strange looking creation. Uh, but you could also, another thing you could do is do the cashew cheese and mix it with the sauce and then throw a little of the vegan shred on there too. You know, we've done that also. Uh, and that that makes up an interesting pie as well. Yeah. I, I In today's day and age, it has to be grammable. I learned that from uh, this one pizza maker who does private dining uh, in Singapore. She's like, you know, people see it and like, that's what they want. And uh, if, if they're not saying that looks delicious, <laughs> some people may not even try your place. So I'm glad uh, you figured it out. Just to kind of understand the consistency for someone who has never tried it. Are you looking for a chunkier kind of mixture at first? It's not supposed to be watery. What would you say the, uh, the, the solidity of it is? You know, the solidity, it, it depends. The flavor should balance. So you should experiment with, you know, the lemon and the garlic, especially. And obviously it has to have good salt and pepper for the flavor, but more so Depending, the olive oil and the cashews, right? How do you how do you balance that? Uh, again, it's more of preference, but as long as the flavor, you can still have a creamy, super creamy texture, and the flavor's great, or you could have a chunky texture with there's bits of cashew in it, little bits of. Uh, we we liked it where it was semi 
semi, you know, basically the way you had it at the expo. So I think there was a, you know, it wasn't completely smooth like a hummus, but it wasn't also, it wasn't like super chunky. It was sort of like in, in between. And, uh, it's, it should be able to, you should be able to smooth it and mix it with the sauce. If it's too chunky, you know, when you're mixing it, it'll sort of like, you won't, you might rip the dough or it sort of, it won't smooth out well. So like chunky peanut butter or less chunky than that? No, no, less chunky than that. Got it. So I would but say not like smooth, not, not like a hummus, but at the gotcha. same time, but again, I know people out there who make it real smooth and again, as long as it mixes well with the sauce, if you want to do it that way, most people mm -hmm. probably just want to, well, I would say it should be smooth. If you're going to dollop it on, it should be, it should be kind of smooth, uh, not chunky. That way it, it'll, it'll bake better in the oven and look better when it comes out. Got it. And if you're going to mix it with a the sauce, then it can be on the chunkier side. Yeah. Again, not too chunky. Otherwise you won't be able to spread it. Got it. Cause it gets hard in the fridge. Cause we make it all like one day. We'll make it on a Monday for the whole week. And, uh, Ooh. then, uh, typically, and if we need more, we'll make it. So it refrigerates and believe it or not, it gets better over time. Cause all the ah, flavors, you know, it's, it's like sort marinating. of like, yeah, exactly. So refrigerating it. So when we take it out of the fridge, it hardens up. So it you have when it goes into the fridge, it must be it can't be too chunky going in because then when you pull it out, it's like it's it's Rock. super yeah, it's super hard and it won't spread. Uh, I'll be able to, I'll be showing that anyone going to the pizza expo, I'll be showing that how to make it and everything and the, the consistency and stuff. Let's meet up. I'll be there. I want to try this cashew cheese again. Um, and just uh, for out of my curiosity, uh, uh, maybe this is a dumb question, but what's the shelf life? It should it should last a while, right? Oh, it lasts a while. Yeah, you know, it lasts a while. As long as it doesn't smell and have mold on it, uh, cool. You know, you'll know. You'll know. Like, you know, you'll know when it's not good to use. Like just by simple looking at it, tasting it and smelling it. Uh, but I would say a week, maybe to 10 days is probably, I wouldn't use it necessarily after that. Uh, you know, but it, it, it definitely, it definitely has a long shelf life. That's the great thing about vegan products. The vegan meat that we get, um, from the beehive on uh, that thing, they, they, that can last months, months. Um, and it's still good because it's not, it's not animal based. So there's nothing really that goes bad quickly. Yeah. Let me ask you this about the animal-based products um, and maybe including like include seitan in it too. I mean, not animal-based products, but like the imitation stuff. Like, is it healthy? I mean, I guess if you, you have to operationally define healthy, but like sometimes I see it's like overly fatty or extra salt, but like what, what is your take on that? Well, again, this is also uh, philosophical and uh, could go uh, into different people's opinions about what's healthy and what's not. To me, as a vegan, uh, I think meat's unhealthy, but that's just my opinion. So, uh, and meat and dairy are not that healthy. And so as far as the vegan meat, it can be also on let's say okay so a lot of the the vegan is wheat based and soy you know vegan meats wheat based and soy based you know people have different opinions on wheat and soy some people think soy is unhealthy some people think 
weak gluten is not good for you. Uh, so I think it really comes down to, uh, in my opinion, health is more about like the volume uh, of what you're eating uh, as opposed to necessarily, uh, it is what you're eating, of course, but it's also volume. So pizza itself, now there's a debate on whether pizza is healthy or not. I mean, a lot of people think pizza is unhealthy and <laughs> it's fast food. So it's it sort of, you know, if you're using good flour, good tomatoes, cashews, nuts are healthy for sure. Let's put it this way. The pepperoni that's made with uh, plant-based products, I can assure you is more healthy than the, the animal-based pepperoni. I can, I can say that with 100%, okay. 100% conviction <laughs> and without getting into like politics or anything like that. I can guarantee you that obviously eating plant-based pepperoni is not going to raise your cholesterol. It's not going to fatten your arteries like the, you know, the plant, the, the meat pepperoni. What is your prediction for vegan pizza moving forward? Well, first off, vegan, the vegan market is still severely underserved all over the country. Uh, and you can see vegans, just plant-based is popping up everywhere. Plant-based is not going anywhere. It's not a trend, in my opinion, like gluten-free or fat-free or any of these kind of tre dietary trends. Don't make the mistake of thinking that this is a trend. This is a global movement, which coincides with climate change and you know all these other things that are going on. Uh, because people more and more and more are going to demand, uh, uh, you know, healthier, healthier choices. I just think the vegan market is wide open. As far as vegan pizza, that's a little trickier, uh, only because cheese is so important, is such an important part of pizza that I think as much as I love vegan pizza, and I think we do a great pizza with the cashew cheese. You know, I grew up in New Jersey. I grew up in New York. Uh, I lived in New York City. You know, having that pizza, that regular slice with a little cheese on it. Uh, you know, it's 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 hard to replicate that with vegan pizza. Even the vegan shreds that are out there. And there's tons of companies now that make the vegan shred mozzarella. You know, it's... It's okay. It's not my favorite. Uh, I do love our cashew cheese pizza and I love the cashew based vegan pizza, the vegan shred. You know, it's, uh, I'll eat it on certain things like a white pizza. I love the vegan shred on a white pizza without tomato sauce. Uh, I do think vegan pizzerias will have to be in the right locations. Like they'll have, they'll have to be in big cities to be in my opinion, to draw enough people to be successful. I think other vegan situations like vegan burgers and all kinds of other vegan food, you know, vegan Mexican food, vegan this, vegan Chinese food, vegan burgers, vegan this, vegan that, can blow up anywhere because the diversity of the menu. But when it comes to pizza, I do think vegan pizza is going to become more and more popular, but I don't necessarily think it's going to blow up like like a bur like a burger would or uh uh you know uh, any other kind of cuisine where you can do much more you can be much more creative 
with the vegan options than you can with pizza. Now, that's not to say anyone out there shouldn't open their vegan pizzeria because, you know, I think I think it, the market for vegan pizza is there, uh, but it's also somewhat limited. And I think I'm giving a talk this year, a seminar on, you know, making financial, making plant-based work financially. And I think adding it as an option to like, you know, whatever the 50 to 70,000 independent pizzerias that are out there that aren't doing anything at all with uh, having a vegan option. I think that right there is a huge market. And that's where uh, I think there's going to be a lot of growth, not necessarily all vegan pizzerias, because they're going to be specialized in cities like Portland, Los Angeles, uh, you know, New York City, things like that. Cool. Well, I want to start wrapping things up here. Sure. Um, I asked two questions uh, before I end the show. What is one mistake that people can avoid in pizza, business, or life? Hmm. Well, one, not have a plan and not look, not follow every, not um, think everything through. And on a practical side of a pizzeria, uh, one of the things people might overlook, which is an extremely important decision, is who your landlord is. The first step, well, there's many steps, but let's just say do not get in bed with a bad landlord. Even if you're seduced by the location, uh, that would be a huge mistake because you don't, un people that are first getting into this business don't understand how important your tenant landlord relationship is. And I've seen, I luckily, maybe not luck, but I've had two great landlords at both my places. One, the second one was better than the first, but the first wasn't, he wasn't the best, but he didn't, he wasn't a bad landlord at all. Uh, and my second landlord was amazing. He was just a great, guy who was honest and he understood that the success of his tenants were his success. Uh, so you have to be very careful if you're opening a pizzeria, again, who your, who your landlord is. So I would say that's one important thing. Uh, people might, you know, just think it's not that important. Oh, I got to get a space and this is a great space and I'm just going to rent it and I'm going to open my pizzeria and I'm going to be successful. A bad landlord could ruin your business. Trust me. Ooh. I, I love how you went in detail. I think we've definitely covered that in different, you know, shows. Your landlord is your business partner. Um, but I, I love how, I love how you explained it. You know, uh, the landlord that wants you to succeed, uh, is going to win too. And, uh, Excellent. So key. Great advice. What do you want to leave the audience with today? And before I say that, thank you so much for all of the value you've given us so far. Thank you for having me. It was, it's a pleasure and I, and I, it's an honor to be on your podcast. Uh, I would say go for your dreams. Don't be shy, be confident. Um, but at the same time, be patient. Things take time uh, and leave, have a plan. Like I said, make a plan, but also be open to 
what the universe uh, shows you. Don't be so hard headed that you're you're going to do whatever you want to do, even if doors keep closing, uh, because the right path will open up for you if you're patient and you will know you will see the doors open and you will see the doors close too. And you'll see when it's time to, you know, uh, for me with Pizza Head, uh, uh, it was just time to sell and move on and do something new. And uh, sometimes the universe is pushing you in directions you think you don't want to go. But if you just trust, I would say trust, 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 and have patience. Mm, one of my favorite words, trust. Yes. Um, and patience too. Yeah. Scott, that was beautiful. Thank you so much for your time today. Um, Thank you. I can't wait to see you at, uh, I can't wait to see you at the expo. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Uh, I'm going to, I think we can get this episode out before expo starts. That way we can prime people to go to your, to go to your uh, event and uh, it'll be fun. I think people are going to learn a lot from you over at expo. Their, their lives are going to be changed when they have that cashew pizza. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you, you enjoyed it. Uh, so that's, a, that's a good, it wasn't sign. just me. Yeah. Sirhan was there. Ryan from Sanctuary Pizza. I don't know if you've met Sirhan before. Oh, oh yeah, I've was... met I've met him. I know him. Yeah, yeah, of course. And then Ryan, uh, Sanctuary Pizza. He was the other guy with us. Yo, we were just like, eyes were like wide open because <laughs> I've I've messed around with different cheeses. You know the the, the store bought stuff. I, I even did like a little test. I made one round pizza and then uni, and then I like put three different cheeses on one, and it just it wasn't great. Well, the and, key with uh, the key with the bag cheese, the key with the bag cheese is not put a lot on and have yeah. have toppings. Yeah, I don't like a plain vegan it. shred cheese, just plain. So my 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 advice is with the shred and the bag stuff, put toppings on and don't put a lot on because then mm. you get the right, you know, but the cashew cheese. Have you experimented at home with that at all? Not yet. I'm gonna after this okay. after this episode. Was, yeah. I mean, so uh, cashews, ca raw cashews, olive oil, salt, pepper, garlic, lemon juice, water. That's it. It's on. Perfect. It's on. In it a blender. Yeah. In a blender. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Thank you cool. for your time. Yeah. Thank you, and uh, we'll we'll be in touch. Yeah. Scott, thank you, buddy. I seriously learned so much from you, and I respect everything you've accomplished. I can't wait to see you in a couple of weeks in Vegas, and I can't wait to see your pizza journey continue. To you, the listener, I mean, come on, that knowledge was fire. Please join me in thanking Scott. You can reach out to him via email since he sold Pizza Head, including the Instagram account. You can reach him at pizzayogi at iCloud.com. That'll be linked in the show notes. Please also do me a favor and rate the show. By doing so, you will help me grow this podcast. It may not seem like it at first, but trust me, you are. And it means a lot to me. Also take a moment to join the Pizza Podcast Discussion Group on Facebook. I'd love to keep in touch there for all things pizza and podcast. Other than that, thanks for being here. Thank you for your time. I love you. Till next time. Peace.